<laughs> yes, this week's Flying the Queensland Flag is a man who took Australian sport to a new level because he's part of Australian sporting folklore. Doing a dubler. It's now part of our lexicon after the men's decathlon at the Tokyo Olympics. Cedric Dubler, and now a two-time Olympian, he sacrificed his own performance to help a mate. He dropped back in the 1500 metre, the final race of the decathlon, and he was urging and yelling and swearing at training partner Ash Maloney, pushing him to bronze. So the boy from the gap who had a choice of sports at his uh, disposal when he was a kid, he ended up settling on 10 of them, uh, has made plenty of sacrifices along the way. And now he's here in the studio, ready to make some more sacrifices. Some of those sacrifices involving Pokemon cards. We'll get into that in just a moment. But Cedric Dubler, very good morning to you. Good morning. Flying the Queensland flag. You're about to head overseas to do that in Europe. What what do you do to fly the Queensland flag internationally? How do you bring that Queensland spirit to the table? Well, it's all about, uh, you know, following the Queensland teams and and. More specifically, the Brisbane teams. Uh, this this weekend, we're going to the the AFL at the Gabba. Oh, nice! Yeah, Lions yeah. versus Bombers. Yeah. My my coach is a big Bombers fan. Oh, and, that's uh, unfortunate. Most of the squad is a Lions fan, yeah. except for all the suck ups that want to get out of uh, a few reps on <laughs> on Saturday or maybe next week. So, um, yeah, that one's going to be really good. So, when you're overseas, you you, you follow the AFL. You you try and tune in, or at least see the results when they're playing and just yeah, following, following to, the results. Yeah. I've, I've been getting into it more and more as a kid. I, I didn't watch sport and I, I didn't really have any teams to follow. And over the last few years been kind of getting into it more. So, uh, the lions, the, the women lions as well, yeah. um, used to live, uh, you know, two doors down from a bunch of them. So, um, oh, part of the AFLW team. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So been to a few of their games as well. And, uh, and, that's what I'm doing to fly the Queensland flag. All right, Cedric, as a kid who didn't follow sports as a kid, how, how then do you get into doing, well, not just one, but 10 of them and representing Australia and winning medals overseas? How does that happen? I don't know. I I guess that was the thing is because I wasn't sitting in front of the TV as a kid, I was out on the street kind of riding my bike, creating, you know, dodgy little jumps for myself and uh, and in the living room creating gymnastic uh gymnastic apparatuses and all sorts of stuff. So, um, you know, I was out there doing all these different sports and, and then it was after seeing Steve Hooker at the Beijing Olympics win gold in the pole vault. Yeah. I, I turned to mum and I said, mum, I want to do that. That looks, that looks fun. And she took one look and said, absolutely no way. That's way too dangerous. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as, as we do as, as young kids, we can be pretty persistent. And eventually she said yes. And she found me a coach and, and then a few years later, I had another coach that said, like, you've done all these events, you've done little athletics, you've learnt to hurdle, and, and now you're doing pole vault, come try a decathlon. And I had no idea what it was, but, you know, I did my first. And and that coach uh, took me on to two Olympics, three world championships, a few Commonwealth Games. So he's uh, he's been in my corner and helping me uh, for a long time. Outstanding stuff. So eighth in the world at the last world titles in Oregon. That was last year. It was a crazy year last year, which we'll get into in just a moment because you are about to jump on a plane to represent us at the, well, the world titles again this year coming up in Budapest in, in, in August. Before we get there though, uh, this, no, it wasn't this morning, yesterday morning, Drug test? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So, and, and, and you're there getting, you're looking really like, oh, where's this going? But this is a fascinating insight, I think, into what we 
as mere mortals have no idea about. But tell us about your morning yesterday when the drug testers came knocking on the door. You know what? Uh, so the townhouse that we live in doesn't have a doorbell. So first thing I do when I when I moved in was I had to kind of make a doorbell and it goes straight into my room because if the drug testers ring or, or you know can't get a hold of me at 6 o'clock in the morning, between 6 and 7 o'clock in the morning, which is my allocated kind of have to be at home, they have to be able to to access me and um, and do the drug test. Mm. Uh, yeah, they need to be able to do that. So I had to, you know, put in a doorbell. And at 6.15 yesterday morning, the, the doorbell goes off and there's only one person ringing the doorbell at that time of the morning. So, you know, slowly got up. And I took my time this time because about a week before leaving for the World Championships last week, uh, last year, they rang the doorbell and I hurried down the stairs and I actually fell down a flight of stairs and kind of hurt my shoulder a little bit. And then there's a second flight of stairs and I, I kind of, you know, got up. I was in a little bit of shock and I ac- accidentally fell down the second set of stairs and knocked myself out and woke up at the bottom. Oh, what? And that, that knocked was, yourself out? I knocked, well, I don't, remember, I don't remember the tumbling. I just, you know, kind of remember fall, uh, coming off the last step and, oh, and hitting the bottom. And, and so uh, I, I think I knocked myself out. And, and so I took my time in the morning uh, to make my way down the stairs. But... I recorded a PB because I'm one of those weird ones that I don't have to pee first thing in the morning. And, uh, and so usually, you know, they, they come and they get settled and we have a good chat and I make myself a cup of tea and start drinking water and all that sort of stuff. And, but yesterday I set a PB for my fastest ever drug test. So they knocked on the door at 6, uh, 6.15 and then by 6.46, you know, everything was signed, the papers were done. Drug test was done and, and they were off again. So, you know, PB, PB at, at uh, 6 o'clock in the morning yesterday. PB for doing a peewee in the... Pe- in the pe- yeah, okay. What I don't know where it's going with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great start of the day. And what an omen heading into a world championship year. Um, you are packing your bags heading to, to Europe next, next week. You, yep. There's a big meet in Austria, isn't there? Yeah, it's the biggest multi-event competition in the world. So... Pretty much, it's in, it's in this tiny little town uh, called Gotzis in Austria. Uh, there's there's probably the population's like maybe five thousand people, and I reckon there's there's at least that that come to the track. So you know, everyone from neighbouring towns come to the track just for a multi event competition. So a decathlon wow. and a heptathlon, and um, it's the top usually you know thirty thirty two athletes in the world, and everyone everyone is looking to open their comp- their their competition season there. So Heading over there, I'm uh, joined by a few Australians as well. Ash Maloney, who's obviously yep. the Olympic bronze medalist, uh, he'll be uh, he'll be you know looking for a good score over there. Dan Golubovic, who's a training partner of mine, he uh, he's looking for a good score as well. Silver medal at Commonwealth Games with exactly. your along with your bronze. He beat me. Yeah. Oh. yeah, so I'm looking to <laughs> looking to get back on top. Cedric. I want to get into the logistics of this. This is the stuff that also fascinates me. Yeah. You've got a lot of gear to take. I do. Yeah, I mean, there's the stuff you throw. There's the stuff that you jump with. Yep. Poles, pole yeah. vaults. How do you get pole vaults on a – or poles on a plane? Yeah, it's a logistical nightmare. We we rock up to the airport and we beg that the airline is, is nice and easy and – Usually the first thing they say is that's not going to fit on the plane. Um, How many are you taking? I take seven poles. It fits in a, a tube, maybe 16 centimetres in diameter. How long? Five metres. That's the issue. <laughs> that's think? the issue because every airline policy says nothing over three metres. 
and you rock up with five meters, uh, five meter long bag, and they say, "No, nah, that's not making it." And then you kind of, you kind of come in confident. You have to come in confident yeah. and say, "No, no, like it, it definitely fits. I've never had issues, you know. Just like have, make some calls and, and all that sort of stuff." Uh, but it is, it's becoming a lot harder with with uh, planes kind of going to the container loading system where they put on the big containers full of luggage rather than just throwing in individual pieces of luggage on the, the plane. So that's becoming a little bit trickier now. And then obviously there's the excess luggage cost, which going to Europe can be upwards of you know $100 per kilo. So that's $3,000 every time we uh, jump on a plane. That's almost the price of another ticket. It is. And actually what we did a few years ago is Instead of paying for the excess luggage, we uh, we flew a training partner over with us, and we said you're going to live out of a backpack, you you carry on for a week, and and your luggage is the poles, and you can be uh, you can be our <laughs> oh, really? our assistant coach while we were over there. But he he had a great time, yeah. I, I think. He uh, you know he's a a big decathlon fan. He had kind of heard about this competition and free flight to Europe, and then uh, got to experience it. He was all for it. All right, training the amount of times that you do a day that that's your full-time job yeah and training yep. so it doesn't really allow you to do uh another job that you'd actually get paid for uh how do you get money in to pay for two plane tickets when there's only one of you really going to compete and what do pokemon cards have to do with it <laughs> here we go so well you know to to my job now, I would say, is is I do some public speaking. So, um, you know, keynote events and panels and, and Q&As and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I, I really enjoy that and uh, and that's been a lot of fun. But Pokemon cards is something that I I started during COVID. Yeah. And I, you know, Pokemon was kind of coming through. The cards were becoming collectible items. And and so I started kind of flipping them and, and going and finding people's collections and sending them off to get graded and authenticated. And then I'd put them into collections. And, and that's how I was uh, making money during COVID. How much money would you make trading Pokemon cards? Well, I, I think the, the most expensive set I sold was about $10,000. Um, really? Obviously, I had to put a bit of money to, to buy those cards and, and get them graded and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it was... Uh, you know, I think some of the most most expensive Pokemon cards can be upwards of a million dollars now, getting close to at least, yeah, for one card. This was sixteen cards for for ten grand, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Did a lot of research. The things our Olympic athletes have to do to get around and travel and train and and just compete to do what they do, and then try and bring us glory every four years or so, Cedric. Stay with me. I've got to take a quick break then and we'll bring home, we'll ram home the end of the show with you the way that you will do like you did in the 1500 in Tokyo. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. Mornings with Ben Davis. All right, time to drive it home. Cedric, Cedric Jubilar, my guest in the studio, Cedric. Big year coming up in 30 seconds or less. What's it look like? <laughs> <laughs> I know we've got the news to get to. So, look, head over to Austria uh, in a week and a half. I'm there for about a month doing a training camp afterwards. Then I'll be back for six weeks, which is two training blocks, and then back again for the World Championships, which is in Hungary at the end of August. Let's touch base when you're over there. I'm going to wake you up, not like a drug tester. Look, thanks for your company today. We'll catch you tomorrow from 9.